Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Podcast. This podcast is a recording of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. But before you listen further, you may want to go to teachings.jim314.com and download the student and or teacher handouts so you can follow along visually and take some notes. Thanks for listening, come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app or to iTunes. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Let's go on and get it out of the way. I'm wearing my Tennessee orange watch even this morning. So keep the faith. Keep the faith. <laughs> I do. Well, they've cut out a deal with me. They're going to be my pallbearer so they can let me down one more time. <laughs> Philemon. The letter... Philemon from the Apostle Paul. You can be finding that. (laughs) Timothy Archer wants to read this morning. So, you're going to read. I'm going to let him. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, brother, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I could be doing better if Timothy is one. I understand. Trust me. (laughs) Go ahead. Crank it up. Everybody there? All right. Paul's had time to write it by now if you hadn't found it, so you go ahead. <laughs> now, this is out of the ESV. So. I didn't know there was another version. <laughs> Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Apia, our sister, and Archippus. I'm sure that's not correct. Our fellow soldier and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of your faith and you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived from much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though, I am bold, excuse me, yes, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be my compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, 
especially to me, but now much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he, was wrong, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ, confident of your obedience. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus sends Christ Jesus sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, as Trick, Archus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. God's difficult call to love people that hurt, anger, and cost you. That's Philemon. Now, the setting of the letter, the Apostle Paul wrote Philemon and Colossians around the same time. Often in the early church, uh, second and third century to the fifth century, uh, those were written or read uh, together, just as the Gospel of Luke and Acts were combined in the early, early church. Clement, now we know Paul, Paul there in that letter, just a little background for you, the setting of the letter. Uh, Paul says, I'm writing this with my own hand. Clement, uh, in the second century, and, and late, I'm sorry, in the late first century, he agreed that this was Paul's authorship. Uh, Clement replaced the Apostle Peter as head of the church in Rome. He was later martyred for the faith. I mean, it was uh, an office that uh, you didn't spend a lot of time in back in the first century. <laughs> so Clement, though, he, he wrote the first time we have the authority that Paul wrote this letter was from him that early on. Paul was converted around 31 A.D. He was a Jewish leader, and this is written... Around 60, 62 in that time frame, so around 30 years after the conversion of Paul. Now, Paul is writing from prison in Rome to a person and a church in Colossae. So the letter, yes, is to Philemon, but it is also to the church. It is to the church in his house. It is to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The climate in which Paul was writing was very challenging. It was a very difficult time for the church. A lot was going on. Uh, Nero, the Roman emperor, was in power. And Christianity was growing. It was an exploding phenomenon. And... He was getting gravely concerned uh, by what was happening. Also, Jewish leaders were being concerned by the growing religious sect. Christianity was viewed at that point as an offspring of uh, Judaism. And so they didn't want to be connected with it. And Nero was going to just wind up persecuting everyone is what they feared. And then for the Christian community, uh, they were getting persecuted. Uh, they were seeing their family and friends convert 
be in prison, and some even be killed. And they knew there was hardship. And so Paul, right as he writes this letter, at the very beginning, he says, Philemon, I'm a prisoner. I'm a prisoner, not necessarily of the state, but my friends, I'm a prisoner of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is to the chains of the gospel that I have bound myself to. And those that great, that great burden is far more better than anything that I could face here. Now Philemon is clearly the primary target of this letter. And uh, he was, by all accounts, a wealthy man. Early church historians, uh, like I mentioned Clement, others, they viewed him as a wealthy man, not only because he owned a slave, but he had a house in which he was okay in bringing the church to. So not only would it house the believers in Colossae, but it would also, he had enough reputation in the city of Colossae to say, I'm going to let them stay in my house. So he had some clout, some reputation among the community. Now Paul did not charge into the request that he was going to make. Uh, when you read the whole letter, you see really the, the point of the letter for Paul. But he didn't just go in and write a quick little memo and say uh, to Philemon, look, I need you to do this, or you should do this. So I want us to look at the love we see in the letter. The love in the letter. Paul opens by reminding Philemon he is beloved by Paul. So a Jewish man... Paul, a former Jewish rabbi, a religious leader, says to this Gentile, this Greek, you are beloved by me. That would be the equivalent of the Jewish of a Jewish religious leader in Israel looking over to Iran and saying, I think we can get along. <laughs> I mean, these things did not happen. And so here Paul is saying, you are beloved by me. The gospel of Jesus Christ and the salvation that comes is not regulated by culture. It is not regulated by the rules of man, the rules that we make up. As Paul writes to believers in Rome, the gospel is for both the Jew and the non-Jew. He tells the believers in Rome, it's for the, the Jew and for the Greek. And, and I'm not ashamed of that, is what he says. Philemon and Paul had differences. But those differences were ethnically, culturally, and economically, but they were not standing in the way of Paul to write to Philemon and say, you are beloved by me. Now we all know that people don't care what you know until they know you care. So Paul establishes that. Philemon, I care about you. I love you. God's love isn't confined to cultural borders. And if His love is not, then neither is the love of His church. Neither is the love of His followers, even one of His followers. Paul also says to Philemon... He says, you are a fellow worker. Philemon, we're on the same team here. We're on the same team. We're together. 
Perhaps Philemon, he, Philemon read that and he could remember when he was at Ephesus, when he, was, when he first encountered the Apostle Paul and he heard this gospel message. And he was converted by Paul in Ephesus. Think of that, that moment. Actually hearing the gospel from the Apostle Paul and being taught by Paul while he was at Ephesus, then sent back to Colossae, his hometown, where his business affairs were at, and teaching there. Perhaps he remembered when Paul said, you're my fellow worker, we're on this team together. He remembered those early days. Perhaps he remembered joining the team. Paul moves into telling Philemon he has a good reputation. Look in verse 5. He says, I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. Now, having read the whole letter, we understand why Philemon or why Paul chose the words that he used. But Paul gets Philemon thinking about love. He gets him thinking about love that Paul has for him. And he gets him thinking about the love that Philemon has for the Lord Jesus Christ, as he says. And then he gets Philemon thinking about the love that Philemon has for who? All all Christians, all believers, he says. So if you're going to love Jesus, then you're going to love His people. You ever heard that? You're going to love Jesus, you're going to love His people. You're going to love His church. Now there are just some of you that are very easy to love on. And then there are people like me. And there are some difficult people to love on. I told one of my deputies, so you know that I work at the, I'm a sergeant at the sheriff's office. I told one of my deputies last week, I said, I'm not going to pick on you today. And he said, well, that's good. Thank you. I said, he said, why the change? And, I, and, and I, I love kidding around with my officers, but I told him, I said, well, somebody's going to have to be my pallbearer. <laughs> he said, I'll start working out. <laughs> He's working overtime today. Uh, <laughs> as long as we can define all the saints that Paul says here, uh, to mean the people that look like us or we like to be around, then it's easy to love on folks. But it's the time when all the saints are those that don't look like us, that don't act like us, that have those cultural dis- uh, differences, that just feel differently about certain things than the way we do. Life can make simple decisions like saying, oh, there's unity in the body of Christ. Life can make that difficult. It can make it very messy. What if the Christian is homeless? What if that Christian is um, Arab? What if that Christian is an illegal citizen or illegal alien here in America? See, things get a little bit more difficult when we say, oh, yeah, we're going to love everybody, especially within the body of Christ. And then you encounter some of these things. What if, the, what if the Christian voted for Obama? Worst of all, what if, what if the Christian is an Alabama fan? I mean, it can be difficult. No, we, we know that ain't the case. We know no Christian can do that. Uh, Julie is not sitting by my food at, at the luncheon today. I <laughs> 
Uh, all the saints means all believers, even those whom we disagree with, even those whom we have a hard time with. Notice the technique that Paul uses in writing his letter. He's guiding not only the letter, but he's guiding the reader, isn't he? He's, getting, he's putting thoughts on Philemon's head, guiding that, that thought process. Look in verse 7. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also of Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ. Paul is writing with purpose. Very clear. When he sits down to write this letter, he has a purpose. He is getting Philemon ready to hear the request that he is about to make. And he establishes his authority, his apostleship. Paul or Philemon would have understood that. Being converted by Paul, understanding that Paul had seen the resurrected Christ, understanding Paul's significance in the leadership of the early church and church planning and teaching and equipping the saints, he would have understood Paul has authority. Now look at the diversity of the letter. Verse 10, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became, who, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. So a Messianic Jew writing to a Greek businessman about a runaway slave while being imprisoned by a Roman Empire. That's diversity. All right, It doesn't get more diverse than that. Colossae was a diverse city. For Philemon, he would have understood that. He would have been okay with that. It was the center of trade. People were coming and going in this city. Uh, at least 2,000 Jewish families had been moved there around one or two generations prior to this. And as a businessman, Philemon, he's, his doors were open. If you're going to spend the shekel, spend it in my store, and I don't care who you are. Come on. And so he was used to the diversity. He had grown up around this diversity that was in Colossae. Paul was very effective in using diversity. Now Paul... You think of him and you think as a Jewish leader that was converted to Christianity. But what did he use as much as his Jewish right? He used his citizenship as a Roman citizen. Uh, it, he said, you know what? I, I want my day in court. And then he would use his day in court as a Roman citizen to share the gospel. And to explain. And then, before, either before or after that, he would go to the Jewish synagogue and say, Hey, I am a Jew. I have the right to speak here. So he continuously used the diversity that he had for the gospel's sake. And then we have brought in, in verse 11, Onesimus, the Greek slave. The life of a slave, it would have been hard and oppressive. How did he wind up in Rome? Well, he fled from Philemon. We're not told when, but he fled from him. It could have been before he was converted. It might have been afterward. And where did he go? He went to Rome. 
which about 40 years, so this letter is written around 60, 62 A.D., that time frame. Around 40 years earlier, Rome had done something very unique in the world. They had given slaves a right. They were kind of advanced. We didn't get around to it till the 1800s. So they decided that a slave could have a day in court. And if an escaped slave had come in or a slave period had been charged with a criminal crime, with a criminal act, they would have their day in court. And they would allow the slave to make his argument. Now, I'm not saying the outcome was always in the favor of the slave, but they had a day in court. So Onesimus said, you know what? The hope is bleak for me. If I stay in Colossae as an escaped slave, Philemon will find me. I'm going to go up here to Rome, hide out among the big crowd, the big people, the population that lives there. And even if I'm caught, I might have a chance. I might just have a chance. So there he went. And while there, he encountered Paul. Just as his master had encountered Paul. And he was converted and taught by the apostle. Kind of sounds like a bad joke, doesn't it? Like two Greeks and a Jew walk into a bar. You know, I mean, you're like, what is going on here? (laughs) The church is diverse. And the church is the most diverse organization in the world. Think of that. All the companies, all the Fortune 500s, all the religions... The Christian church is the most diverse. We span the globe. We span cultural divisions. We span ethnicities. We span languages. Then why does the church not look like that? Why does the local church not look like that? Why, if the global church is so diverse, is the local church not? So, well, we're not... Global, we're a local church, George, idiot. Yeah, well, that might be the case. But in Chattanooga, we have 58% white, 34% black, 2% Asian, and 5% Hispanic. And I think that Hispanic count is on the low end. So, let's get rid of the excuse. Now let's look at the local church. Our local community looks like what I just described. Does the local church look like that? All right, the excuse just went out the door. The question is, what are we doing to make it look like that? Are we taking the gospel to the community? And how are we taking the gospel to the community? In 1960, Martin Luther King Jr. appeared on uh, Meet the Press, and he made a famous quote. He said, the most segregated hour in America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. That was in 1960. Look around in 2016 and tell me how much has changed. Has it changed? Yeah, we've, we've made some inroads. But it's surprisingly how slow it has come. And the lack that we, that we have a long way to go. What I'm saying is, 
We need to look like the global church. Paul didn't care if you were a rich man or if you were an escaped slave, if he was preaching in the temple, preaching in the courtroom, or preaching in prison. The gospel of Jesus Christ was for everyone. And he took it to heart. So let's look at the unity. The unity called for in the letter. Paul's calling for unity. There's no question about that. He's saying to these two characters, we got to get it together. Y'all have got, got to work together. He's personally converted Philemon. He's personally converted uh, Onesimus. He's taught both of them. Now he's sending Onesimus back to uh, Philemon, who is in Colossae. And what a great impact they could both have on that community. Paul realizes that. I mean, think about it. A business guy who is probably wealthy, got a lot of respect, a slave. I mean, you can't get more diverse. So you can reach a lot of different people, a lot of different groups and cultures in that diverse city of Colossae. Only if they are reconciled. They would be a great team, but only if they were reconciled. Paul had to show Onesimus that his fear had to be faced. You know, we don't have a letter to Onesimus. That was probably a conversation, and it was probably a lot of conversations. When Paul told Onesimus, you know, uh, you've been equipped and trained for a reason. And I think that reason is to go back to your hometown where the slave community knows you and you share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said, Paul, you're an idiot. Death's waiting for me there. If I go back, I'm an escaped slave. Are you crazy? I mean, let's think about it, Paul. You've trained and equipped me, right? Okay, good. I can be used, uh, let's say, in Philippi. Uh, I, I, could, I could suffer for Jesus somewhere, you know, like I think about suffering for Jesus in maybe Hawaii. You know, I mean, someplace, someplace challenging. <laughs> Paul says, no, uh-uh. You need to go back to your hometown where they knew you you know them, and you tell them, I have encountered Christ Jesus. And you share that message with them. But Paul, I could be imprisoned. Maybe in the ears of Onesimus, he hears the chains of Paul saying, that doesn't matter. Jail does not matter. The death sentence does not matter. Eternity matters. And you have been equipped to go and share. And you are going to Colossae. We don't have, we don't have that letter. We have, we have this one. Yeah, he probably beat you as a slave. 
and you've got a lot of bitterness and you've got a lot of hurt, but you've got to go back and you've got to forgive Him. And yeah, He may not forgive you. You have nothing to do with that, Onesimus, but you've got to forgive Him. And He says the same thing to Philemon. You want to mess with somebody? You want to get real personal? Deal with their money. Onesimus cost Philemon money. Don't know how much, but he cost him some money. That had no bearing. The hurt, the bitterness, the loss. Paul says, yeah, you, you know what? You've got to put that behind you. And you too have to be reconciled. Unity is vitally important for a team, a family, and a church. Back in the 1990s, something happened in Dallas, Texas. A younger, brash oil man named Jerry Jones bought the Dallas Cowboys. And what was the first act that he did? Everybody, anybody remember? Anybody, any football fans remember what Jerry Jones did when he first got hired? He went on TV and he said, Tom Landry, the only coach the Dallas Cowboys have ever had, is fired effective right now. And he hired a guy who played football with him at the University of Arkansas named Jimmy Johnson. And then they got the number one draft pick that year, which was who? Anybody remember? Troy Aikman. New owner, new coach, new quarterback. First year, they won one game. <laughs> things, things weren't looking good. Second year, a little bit better, seven and seven. I think, something like that. And then the third year, uh, they won a Super Bowl. Things are looking up. They go back the next year, and they do what? Win another Super Bowl. Something that at that point in time was, had rarely been done. Back-to-back -back Super Bowls. And what happens right after the Super Bowl? Jimmy Johnson, he's gone. He's out. Troy Aikman says this. He said, people ask me all the time, how many Super Bowls would you have won if Jimmy Johnson had stayed? And my answer is, I don't know. Maybe none. Or maybe a lot more. I do know we would have been a really good team for a really long time. And this is what he says. Listen to this, these words. Me, Emmett Smith, and Michael Irvin, and all the guys on the team, we all sacrificed. We all gave up something to be good and to win. But the two guys leading the organization didn't. And they were the ones telling us that is what we needed to do. We go out to the world and we say peace, forgiveness, love. And then they come into the church and we're ticked off at something about an upper basketball game. Or we're, we're upset about a Sunday school announcement. Or the music's too loud. You see, if we're not going to do it, they're not going to do it. Why join a team that looks just like everybody else? 
We've got to forgive. We've got to live out what we're talking about. Very serious issues there, isn't it? I've seen whole churches, buddy, split and argue over, over color of the carpet, over hymnals, basketball games. Philemon and Onesimus, I'll tell you, they reconciled. They had some very serious issues. Not serious as like upper basketball or something like that. But uh, it said that uh, Philemon was martyred in front of his wife, who was mentioned earlier, and Onesimus. He was martyred for the faith. Onesimus became a bishop, and then he was martyred for the faith. Some say beheaded. Huh. I mean, but not serious as what we've got going on. <laughs> Nothing like what we face today, right? Paul saw God at work. Paul could see God orchestrating events, and he could see that those events were going to involve these two guys and the city of Colossae. Listen to me very clearly. If you hear nothing else, listen to this. If we can't get over the hurt and the bitterness, when, when you choose to ignore or choose to go against the plans of God, God's not going to be the loser in that scenario. So it was either Onesimus and Philemon, get on board or get left behind. Because God's going to do something in Colossae. And you've got an opportunity to be a part of it. God wasn't going to be wringing His hands and coming up with a plan B. I can tell you that. God has you here for a reason. Look at what's going on in your life, what's going on in our community, what's going on in our church. God has you here for a reason and a purpose. And as 2016 is coming to a close and 2017 is starting to open up, the question is, are you ready? Is your heart ready? Are you prepared? Is there anything holding you back from being all in on the plans of God and what He has coming up for our community, for your family, and for this church in the coming year? Is there anything holding you back? Onesimus had to overcome fear to do the right thing. Philemon had to overcome hurt to do the right thing. What is your blank to overcome? Onesimus had to overcome fear. Philemon had to overcome hurt. What are you having to overcome? to get that relationship right? What are you having to overcome to get you to buy in to what God is going to be doing here at Stewart Heights and here in Chattanooga and the surrounding area in the next year? Is there anything holding you back? The theme of this letter was forgiveness. But you realize the word forgiveness was never mentioned in this letter? But it's clear, isn't it? I mean, when you read it, Paul, the essence of forgiveness, Paul has laid out. You have to forgive. You have to love. 
whatever the hurt, you have to overcome it. That's what he's telling Onesimus. That's what he's telling Philemon. That's what he's telling the church there at Philemon's house. That's what he, that is what the Spirit is telling us 2,000 years later. You have to be willing to work beside someone. You have to be able to forgive someone. Not only say I'm willing to do it, but actually do it. Actions speak louder than words. So you say you believe in God's forgiveness, right? You got to live it. You got to live it. Do you believe in God's forgiveness? Do you think we are called to forgive and to love one another and to have unity and diversity to go out and reach the community? You believe that? Can you buy into that? I want to leave you with this last thought. If you believe that, actions and believing are not synonyms. Let's pray. God, we thank You for Your Gospel. We thank You for the love that You had before the foundation of the world that we may be saved. Thank You, God, for making us a part of that plan, for allowing us to be a part of Your work. As we go out this week, we pray that we would face and overcome any borders or barriers that separate us from the gospel, taking the gospel, and living the gospel to our community and to our family. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please lean in and fill out the weekly update and any prayer requests. And we'll see you at lunch.